I think revivals are just a wonderful delivery system for adults with jobs who can't get high at camp. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I am ready to spill the tea on the Biola revival of 2000. And I'm Meg, and every revival that I went to was in a tent, which means there was some event coordination going on. And I'm Sarai, and I still to this day can't hear the song, Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, without fully dissolving into the shakes, because, man, I've been to some revivals that said that a lot of times. (laughs) Yes, Lord, yes. Well, bitches, we're talking about revival today. Revival in the land. land. Yeah, do you feel it? Do you feel I feel the Carmen in this house tonight. Do you feel the (laughs) Carmen in this house tonight? It is impossible to talk about revival without uh, our man, our our Italian stallion, Carmen. That's right. He is Italian, right? Yeah. I don't know. He has to be. He has to be. be (laughs) Yeah. I think I mentioned before he's a self-proclaimed Guido. Okay. He says it a lot in not mystic pizza, but spirit pizza. It's funny, I was going to say Guido, but then I was like, is that racist? But then he I really like, hope it's not. I don't know. If we find out it is, just um, bleep me there, okay? Sorry. Yeah, we learned it from Carmen, people. Sorry. It's, it's Carmen's so, fault. It always is. As, unless you've been living under a rock, many of you probably know that there is a revival going on in Kentucky, right? Is that where Asbury, Ashbury is? Asbury. So, it's been a little bit funny. It's been a little bit triggering, if we're being honest. It, it's like brought, it's unlocked some core memories that I didn't mm. even know that I had. And mm. I had completely forgotten about some of my revival experiences. And so it's been interesting watching it play out. And in fact, I know that that revival went viral on TikTok and I specifically have not watched a single video of it on purpose because I didn't want to. I wasn't ready. Wow. Um, so not that'll your be, vibe. Yeah, so that'll be. But then here, but then I was like, let's record a podcast about it because naturally, <laughs> I won't watch any videos on it, but I will dissect it. Uh, you know what? I don't need to be re-triggered by somebody else. I can re- be re-triggered by my own trauma. It's fine. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. we're we're all okay. Okay, we're we're working on it. But you know what? This is the way that I am not re-triggered is by actually just having open conversations about it where it's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay that we have these experiences. It's okay that we participated in these ways. And now we can learn from those things and maybe, you know, keep from harming people in the same ways again. So I'm here for it. Let's disentangle. Totally. I mean, and like what a safe space that we have to talk about it with each other. And also I'm fascinated to hear other people's experiences of revival because chances are, if you grew up evangelical and or charismatic, you have experienced some revival in your life. And that may look very differently. And maybe you didn't even realize you've experienced revival. But did you go to summer camp as a Christian? Because <laughs> let me tell you, there is a lot of mini revivals happening at summer camp. You've been revived. If yeah, you went you've to been camp. revived. If yeah. you've ever sat by a fireplace. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, man. a fire, outdoor fire area. <laughs> if you've ever you- sang re Fires, 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 fires. Fires. My heart's once one. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a, it's a banger right there. All the right campfire there. songs. Yeah, totally all banger, the campfire yeah. songs. So I'm going to hit you with some fun facts about Revival. Yes. 
Did you guys know that the word revival is not found in the New Testament? Neither Jesus, Paul, nor any other biblical writer encouraged prayer for revival, in fact. They did so, not encourage they did not. revival? Nope. Mind in blown. The land? In the New Testament, they did not call for revival in the land. Now, there are things obviously can be interpreted as yeah. I know people take like the church in Acts as a thing. You know, there there are calls for the awakening of the spirit and to be holier and things like that. But the like word the revival. Day of Pentecost. Right. Would that be considered a revival adjacent event, I maybe? I believe so. But the word revival oh. is not in the New Testament. Well, it has it hasn't made its way in yet, but I'm sure after this episode they're going to do some revisions because you can't yeah. not have that word in the Bible in the New Testament, guys. Well, that is the roadmap. Second chapters of Acts is more of a revival because it was the first revival, and oh, then it's right. all so revivals re. after that. So that's right. the only one that mattered in the Bible, maybe the one the <laughs> one revival, just a revival. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay, a revival in the Bible. Yeah, and what's what is I should should have done a little bit more preparation, but there's I feel like the one main scripture I want to say is it like Second Chronicles or something is the one where we will call on him and he will heal our land. That mm. is the one that I think is used at least in my circles when I, I need to I'll put it in the show notes, people. But you guys know the scripture I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, it's basically it, it's calling like, out it's to the used Lord as a call to action, right? For the Correct. current day. Christian to mm-hmm. re-revive the land. Yes. Yeah. Re-revive. Exactly. He'll heal land. our land. Mm-hmm. And let me yes. tell you, in prepping for this episode, a lot of modern Christians take this to mean, you know, like all these divides that we have in our society mm. and all the problems and all the drugs and the abortions and like revival is gonna, if we God, get together. I'm sorry, the dr- just the fact that that we are talking about the drugs and the abortions and the, it's like the persecution that comes with, I choose these things for me, why don't you choose them for you? Therefore, I am being harmed by your choice for your life is really tough to sit with. And and in particular, when that then correlates to the land is broken, the land is corrupted, that 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 then means every person who is a part of this world right now, it's a really harsh way to think about your neighbor. Yeah, I that sums up evangelicals. I was going to say, that's the job. That's the job. (laughs) It's a harsh way to think about your neighbors. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, It's check done. You get paid now. Go. Oh, I I figured it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Pass. Now pass go. Collect your $200. I have now. (laughs) I'm now ready for my next stage of life. Yeah. Well, and it's so, it's funny because. Again, I was trying to wrap my head around going, it's like, what does revival mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I think the word is thrown around a lot in Christianity. And so some people, like there's this one theologian who says, it's it's an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit, which produces extraordinary results. That sounds like big and exciting, but like what the fuck does that actually mean? It's really vague. Show me the results. What are these? What are these amazing results? And then, but honestly, in like digging, what it seems like it actually comes down to, and I don't even remember where I found this, but like it was on some weird Christian website. And it said that like 
there's a form of revival for believers who have fallen into a state of complacency. Mm. And the, they're kind of unpacking the Webster's definition of revival. So it says the first two Webster's definitions listed would speak to that form of revival. We Christians are human and we are still sinners, though we have been saved by grace. And we can get prideful thinking that as long as we're saved, that we can glide through life. Mm. Oh. Mm. So I remember the, um, from... Oh, it's ahead. not the it's not the backsliding Christian that we're looking for. It's the complacent Sunday sits in the seat and that's it Christian that we yeah you're we not showing up them. early to stack chairs. Yes, you've well, grown unstack. complacent. Unstack right. chairs first and oh, then right, stay right, right. late yes. to restack <laughs> so them. Correct. Those are the people we're we're trying to get during a revival. So so potentially the goal is get people here more. Often more times participating in more of our things because we're going to guilt them into feeling like they have not, like that they're just quote, gliding through life. What a weird way of saying <laughs> also, that. Also, can we just take one second? Um, did any of you, while you were in the throes of your evangelical life, ever feel like you were gliding through anything ever? Like, oh my God, it was constant work, constant like internal second. agony of... <laughs> Ugh. I would. I wanted to get to that point. I remember that. I think maybe that's what drew me to revivals is like, I'm not trying to glide through. I'm trying to do the work. I'm trying to be present. More youth groups, more, you know, conventions, more places to go to like re-experience or make sure that I'm saved was my whole thing of like, I want to make sure I'm saved. It's not mm -hmm. about backsliding. It is really just about that fear of losing your salvation. I think revivals are just a wonderful delivery system for adults with jobs who can't get high at camp. Like, because <laughs> we were always talking about, oh, when you go home, this camp high is going to go mm. away. And we're all like, I don't know, we're full of dopamine or something is happening. Like, we're just going to cry and feel refreshed and have a catharsis and then go home and be like, I'm so devout. And then, then maybe your church will just have a revival or bring in a tent get it again it's a lot of um like pressure to put on a revival <laughs> the evangelical way there's a lot of pressure to put on like everything but that's why it's so interesting that i feel like calls for a revival are just a particularly they're just intense right mm. and it feels like christians when things are maybe feeling out of control maybe culturally they feel like they're losing the culture war or whatever but these prayers for revival, like we need this giant sweeping change, although I would argue that it's not change. It's just like it's a large emotional experience where mm -hmm. people feel more mm -hmm. connected to each other and to God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yep. like that's a concert. That's a live event with people. I get it. Like I get an it. Intense and we're all kind of craving that after this pandemic life. I totally understand where this is coming from and how it's filling a need in people. Right. And that's the part where I'm like, I'm not against that. I'm not against filling that void, that space. Um, I just think that when it happens in certain ways, people are manipulated into something that is maybe not the goal that they have or the agenda for their own life, but that is really somebody else's goals that are just going to be channeled through them. And that feels, yeah, it feels icky. I, I don't like that. Well, Here's something I think you are going to like. So I'm going to have you. I mean, this might make us feel a little icky. I am so curious to see 
your reactions. Let me see if I can share my screen here. Y'all, we're going to fucking watch Carmen's Revival in the Land. Oh, fuck. <gasps> yes. <laughs> you guys, can I? I don't know if I have ever seen. Get ready. You are in. You have this. You're in for a treat. You're in oh my for a treat. I watched it this morning in preparation and it blew my mind. And I was uh-huh. like, us watching this together for oh this episode is going to be. Okay. It's going to put us in the right headspace. This anticipation is a lot for me right now. Is this <laughs> like he's here? He's here in a black suit, mic up to his mouth with a gold tie. It's a good suit, too. I'm actually kind of surprised because whatever year this was in, I did not expect for him to have a suit that looked this good. Like you would think he was wearing a big, fluffy 80s suit. Like I would right? have thought it was going to be a double breasted, you know, mm-hmm. that 80s, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's my, it would like pleated pants. But no, 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 not Carmen. This looks like he was a, a true showman. Suit. A true showman. <gasps> oh my gosh. Ghosties, hi, it's Meg. Now is a perfect time for you to pause this episode and go to our Patreon to watch Carmen's Revival in the Land video, including our hilarious reactions. This post is going to be available for everyone for one week, so go check it out or sign up to be an eternal ghostie at patreon.com slash holyghosting so you don't miss any extras from us in the future. If that doesn't make you want Revival in the Land, I don't know what does. I mean, that man can pump you up. So I just showed these ladies Carmen's Revival in the Land. It's from a, a video from a live performance, but which he shows a, a pretty, uh, Carmen was known for his theatrics and his skits and his talking intros, lots, a lot of demons, a lot of, lot of demons in Carmen's. I just want to share one of my favorite things Carmen always does is like over explains a disgusting disturbance in the force of something. Some like he has to give it a thousand ac- adjectives that don't quite fit, but he's like he's just with it and doing it. And you're like, what is going on? He is saying some words. I love it. Okay, go on. So uh, yeah, what yeah, Meg, I, Meg, you've we, never seen this before, right? This no, is, I've never this is seen that. I, I, I do not believe that. I know I, almost every single word to that song. I was very surprised at how fast it came back to me. First of all, that was my first thought was I was like, oh my gosh, I think I know this verbatim. This is one of the skits that we used to do in Action House, which I've briefly mentioned, um, that we would travel around as youth and do these performances. And so this revival in the land was was one of the ones that we would do. Carmen, Carmen, created a lot of content for us to do for Action House. but I noticed a few things like this. This whole video is him on a stage that looks to be like there are some there are some palm tree um, elements and some building as like backdrops, like painted scenery behind him. It, it's him with a microphone and a monitor on stage. And that's it. Mm-hmm. There, There's no band. There's no backup singers. There's no large scale production elements. You know, there's some basic lighting and some set design. But in this music video, there is a pretty, um, you know, I think for the era, a pretty high budget production. There are fire elements because it's hell. There, like, there's this massive throne. Um, there's a there's a point where where Satan is kind of running, and there's like pyrotechnics going on. They explode his throne at the end of it. I mean. There's some and Satan's budget. Teeth, like the the wardrobe, the the makeup, yeah. like Satan's the makeup, teeth are the gnarly. wardrobe. Yeah, they yeah. I mean the, the big ears on this demon character. I also noticed for the first time, maybe, 
both of these voices, the both the demon telling Satan what's going on in the world and Satan are both Carmen's voices. Yes. Pitch shift shifted, right? Or something like put through a modulator. I didn't realize that. So that he is really truly a one man show. Yeah. And and I gotta give him props for that. Did you did you never go to a concert, a Carmen no. concert? No. God, I'm so I never sad. got to to experience him in 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 real life, which I think probably, you know, breaks my nine year old heart. It does. I went I mean, in two thousand. It probably means you have less religious time. trauma. <laughs> I wait, two thousand four, you said? <laughs> yeah. Cause I graduated from college. And we found out that Carmen was playing at a church in Wichita and my mom was visiting and me and my friends and my siblings um, decided to make my mom go with us to a Carmen show. (laughs) And it was so fun and so hilarious. Oh my gosh. I think I saw him like 92 or 93, like old school, like way back. I saw him a bunch of times then because I like, man, I was a big fan, obviously. We may lose some battles, but we will win this war is something I still say all the time. And I forgot that he was the one. I can't remember if he came up with this phrase and then it was on Christian T-shirts or vice versa. I assume he came up with it. The like, if Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Yes. uh, Almost the same exact lyrics of um, Witch's Invitation, which, of course, that's true. Reigns supreme in my heart. Right. Yeah, there's some um, repetitive themes going on in the Try bot song. with the right. blood. It's like that kind of stuff. Which is kind of funny, though, because isn't revival kind of all about like confession and about not being complacent and about remembering how terrible you've been and like getting right with God? So that is remembering your past. So it's like, is that what Satan wants or is that what Jesus wants or do they both want that? <gasps> mm. Oh my gosh. That's a Are really they the same existential guy? question. Just saying, like, that was my thought when S- Satan was like, you know, remind them of their past. I'm like, but isn't that what they're doing when they're like praying and they're repenting and they're going through like all the horrible things? Yeah, we are supposed to be reminded of our sinful nature, right? That we need a savior. That's kind of the gist of it is like, remember all these terrible things that you used to do. You don't want to go back to those things. So, therefore, revival. Yeah. Well, and also, whatever it is you're doing, like, maybe you're yeah. not like stacking chairs enough so like you need to repent of your complacency you're just gliding through life yeah more importantly you should be winning souls for the lord more importantly or scaring the hell out of them that's (laughs) right so they don't go to hell a part of this for me is really clearly about when i experienced revival or the context for it was always about revival of the land it was like Mm. christians taking back culture and like Mm -hmm. movies are bad like carmen is saying in this and well we're uh, by the way if you choose to watch this video huge content warning it shows yeah it's an aborted wildly triggering it shows a lot of horrific car accidents and yeah yeah, it, it's not Emotional. for children. I guess that's the other. Isn't but it that a bizarre was for thing? us. Yes, that, like, we had we like, were, videos like of don't us. take a kid to a drag show, but please take them to a Carmen concert and let them be exposed to quote these horrific things that evil people do. I mean, there is a lot of imagery that is shown in that video that I think is really it is really terrifying. Obviously, when I was a kid, I reacted in like a I don't want to go to this burning place or live in a world 
where all of these visual things or things he's talking about are happening because they don't sound nice. Like the way he describes, it doesn't sound nice. So you guys, I think I had a realization. Remember when we were talking about hell houses, when we mm -hmm. were talking about Halloween and how much I think they're hilarious? I think Carmen, his entire catalog is literally a hell house. Oh, it's like 100%. just mm -hmm. in itself. You don't have to go in at all, but everything he ever did was literally, it's a hell house. And I, his whole thing is scaring say, the job. hell out of you. Yeah, it's very, yeah. his whole thing is, um, really like bombastic, maybe that's the word. It's yeah. really like in your face and it's just like, but he's- He's speaking the he truth. Doesn't, right, he yeah, doesn't come off as- Yeah, I thought he just was doing, like like showing me the truth, like being so, right. like a gentle, kind, you know, guy who was gonna take me and show me like, okay, this is just the world you don't wanna be a part of, right? right. And I was like, absolutely. Well, and it's a slightly different tactic than I think a lot of evangelicals, because I think rather than, Obviously, he's afraid of the culture, and but he comes at it in this like we are powerful and prayer and revival and boom, boom, and we're gonna fuck you up, devil. Like it's this war mentality, which I don't think a lot of people mm. are saying. So it, he is scaring you, but then he's also like, but we got this, fam. There's that moment where he talks about like the army, like what what is the line where he's like, we all you know rise up and come together and it's like we're gonna win that war like we may have lost some battles we're gonna win the war and there is a lot of verbiage around war and yeah i don't like that it's a male it's a very in my mind a male approach to salvation is mm -hmm. to go edit not through a nurturing loving way but to go edit through this fear warmongering battle destruction like, we got to burn it all down before they burn us down. Oh, isn't that interesting? Because that's exactly what we did with the Iraq war and the war in Afghanistan, too. So, I mean, this is where Christian nonsense and dominion and fighting and war is once again directly tied to our fucking foreign policy. Yeah. Well, the Carmen thing is interesting, too, because it's like no wonder he resonated so well with white evangelicals. Yeah. Like which are run by which was run by white men, you know, like his whole thing. And like I said, he just like was a clever marketer. He's a great mm -hmm. showman. And yeah. so the way he sold it just felt different than I don't know. It just. It, yes, it was scary, but I think there was something like, you know, it just felt like badass or something. But um, we could talk about Carmen. Yeah. There was a little bit forever. more like how, oh, of course, I could talk about Carmen forever. I do think Carmen's ability to get the male side of the aisle to kind yep. of join in and participate. I, I get that, that there there was a thing that would attract a male, you know, person um, to that exciting, explosive, fight it out world. So I get, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah. I, I just have one final proposal on the on the Carmen front. I think that um, Holy Ghosting should produce a Greatest Showman style film about Carmen specifically <gasps> because mm -hmm. wouldn't it. it be so fun? Oh my god! I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna start working on I'm gonna storyboard that. Okay, great. Get a GoFundMe going. <laughs> okay, yeah. Who's gonna play Carmen? That's what I need to know. We got to think through. Oh god! It's like. 
what what Italian stallions do we have out there in Hollywood right now that would care to play? We'll think on this. Yeah, uh, we'll go think on it. Give Send us submissions. Tell, yeah, yeah, tell us who needs to play oh, Carmen that's in what we our need. feature yes. film. Crowdsource. Because um, I'm not a casting director, but some of you certainly are or have better mm-hmm. ideas than I do. Um, so now I want to get into our experiences of revivals because mm. we ladies have, have seen some revival in our land. Uh, so <laughs> Meg, you want to kick us off and tell us like, what's your experience with revival? Oh, have, have you, I heard in your intro that you've, you've been to some tented ones. You know, I feel like all of the ones I went to were in a tent and which just now as an adult, I'm realizing, you know, having done producing and event coordination, it takes a lot to get a massive tent into a space with all of the chairs. We know we got volunteers for it, but we still got to get all those chairs. And then there's like the audiovisual elements and the, you know, who's the leadership of this revival and are we putting them up places? I, I just know that the production of it all was a lot of effort and energy, which means it didn't just pop up one day and appear and all of a sudden it was like the lord brought this here like it was a planned event and um i mean the one that sticks out to me the most was a revival that i went to where there was there was in in my circles there was always like prophecy was a part of revival it was like if we're going to have revival in the land then we need to call upon mostly young people to um get that like carry that spirit forward. Like we need the young people to feel spurred on to make it possible. So I do think that although there is a lot of adult um, participation in these revivals, I remember a lot of the youth group uh, kind of being moved to the forefront or being called forward to have prophecies over. Um, That's where I was prophesied over. And that stuck with me. I mean, it still sticks with me. It stuck with me for a really long time. And it it's an o- odd thing to think a person who doesn't know anything about you is telling you that they are hearing from God, your creator, and that they have a word from the Lord and that that word from the Lord is fact and that it is, there is, like, that's it. And so when you hear it, you don't have a choice. This is a inevitable future. For you. Um, and now as an adult, like that shit's fucked up to just tell a young, impressionable kid, like, I know the plans God has for you. And here they are. And mm-hmm. here's the way that you need to live your life. Um, that for me, that that's for me is the thing that keeps coming up. Um, hearing about revival happening is that that emotional manipulation that I felt I'm really concerned that other people are going to experience a similar thing. So it was at the time something that I felt really inspired by and felt like, oh, I have a direction. I have a goal. I have a purpose in life. And God really does notice me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a really beautiful thing to feel. Um, But I get more concerned about what that means, like how that changes who we are and the goals that we maybe, you know, wanted to have for ourselves as young people and how we were kind of led to a different place. And it's interesting because that idea of being led astray by Satan or the devil or like the worldly things was so clear to me, but being led astray by the people 
that say they're hearing straight from God, like that's something I really have to reconcile. Hmm. Um, where were these revivals that you went to? Was this what what state was this in? Um, everyone that I participated in was in California, and okay. they were like large churches that um it wasn't this idea kind of like what's happening right now or what happened in Biola in the early 2000s like it it wasn't a national like attention kind of a thing right um I didn't participate in you know I, I didn't like seek them out I didn't go to like oh I'm gonna go to them they were usually associated with the church I went to or you know our youth group went and they were so one planned, that another church was having. Yeah. yeah they were, and they were just event. like planned events. Yeah. Which is and so funny. The thought of weird. planning a revival. Mm-hmm. I know that that's mm-hmm. a yep. thing. But with what's happening right now, clearly it was like unplanned. And the one I experienced that I'll get into in a little bit at college was also unplanned. Um, how many people went to these things? Like, were they huge? Yeah, it was it was like, you know, all of the churches in the area were kind of invited. I think that's why they did big tents because they just right. put them out in these giant fields and they were like we can kind of have everybody come and it was it was meant to be a invite your neighbor invite your friends from school it was like it's which is so odd because you're like bringing somebody to this massive event where they're going to be singing a bunch of songs and behaving in a way that feels very much like a concert or like a live you know event but <laughs> i thought you were going to say cult i thought i, I thought was going to say i thought so too <laughs> I was like, yeah, it does sound like a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nope, I'm describing exactly that behavior. Yeah. So, and was there an know. altar call, I assume, at the end of oh, every constant, night? Of course. Constant. It wasn't That's even at the end. It was like spontaneous. during worship, there's an altar call. During right. a prophecy thing, then there's another one. You know, and it's, it's like if one any big moment. Altar call. Yeah. Yes, if any moment spurs on the ability for the person with the microphone to call people out to repent. It was like a constant call to repent. And Mm -hmm. if you're repenting and being vulnerable and going up to a person and they're like, what are you here to repent for? And you're just verbalizing like all of your shit that's in you. That's so intimidating and so revealing. Of course, you're going to feel some like spiritual bond or connection with these people that are surrounding you because that's what happens when you are vulnerable around other humans is that you bond you bond with them. And I get my biggest thing was always like, who are these people? I'm walking up to people that I see every day that I know you work at wherever. You're not a trained therapist. You're not a counselor. You're not a psychologist or a psychiatric person with skills in any of those places. Like what? But they might might be on the ch- on the prayer chain so they can take it to the Lord on your behalf. Uh, slash gossip about it to everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. pray pray chain was the best form of gossip. It was yeah, whole, it was a holy gossip. <laughs> it's a magic which I will thing. say. Like uh, I'm just putting this out in the universe. I really want to do collaboration pod with normal gossip. So if anyone knows Kelsey oh McKinney, yes. she see. I think she's a former church girl, yeah, and we want to have her on the pod and we want to talk to her about gossip. So. I like holy gossip so much. I <gasps> feel like so much. I was just thinking the other day about how much we need like an offshoot part of let's just like talk some shit. (laughs) Yes, we need a holy gossip episode. So Kelsey, have your people call my people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarai, have Hmm. you revivaled? Have you been revived, my friend? Have I been revived? Okay, so yeah, like my real revival experiences were exclusively camp related. Uh, unsurprisingly, because of the quantity of time and dedication <laughs> to camp that I have to this day. 
And also, I feel like the free Methodists are not big revival people. Right? Oh, no. We were not charismatic at all. So it wasn't right. like the kind of revival that was like prophecies and shit like that. It was honestly like some – I remember when I was in sixth grade, there was some guy – I mean, it might have been the piano player's dad or something who came for like a week of revival services. So it was like every night we went to church, which was more nights than usual because sometimes we didn't go on Mondays. (laughs) (laughs) We were there and I remember it was just like kind of boring, like Sunday night church style, like Sunday night church for us was always like chiller and like not as fun as the Sunday morning and not as many yeah, people were there so or whatever. Yeah. Like they let me lead worship and I was like 12 or 15 <laughs> or some shit. Um, like play the piano and stuff. But yeah, I remember I was uh, 11. But the main thing that I liked was that my friends were there and we were all hanging out a lot. But here's a can I just tell you a really tragic story about my experience with revival and perhaps why I've never taken it seriously again? <sighs> I was going out with a boy I had a huge crush on forever. And his best friend was there and my best friend was there. And my best friend was really mean. (laughs) She has died. R.I.P. But that's sad. But when I was a kid, girl really fucked with my head a lot. So I'm sitting there. All three of them get up. They leave. And then they come back. And my best friend hands me... um, a torn up picture and it's just the eye from the picture. And I was like, that's my eye. What happened? Why is my eye <laughs> torn out of my third grade school picture? <laughs> I had a little birthmark. You can't see it anymore, really. But like it was right here. And I was like, that's obviously my eye. <laughs> and the other day I was um, zooming in on a selfie of myself and looking at my eye and being like, why am I so familiar with what my eye looks like? And then I remembered this story. Uh, And so it turned out that like my friend had been like, the boy you like tore this picture up and threw it down the toilet. And I just saved the eye. And I was like, why are you guys being mean to me? And I cried a lot. And that's when I discovered the book of Ecclesiastes that night. So everyone else is having a really fun revival. I'm just hearing the song. Yes, Lord. Yes. Played 10,000 times staring at my eye from my third grade picture. (laughs) And feeling rejected by everyone. And um, yeah, that's that's that. That's not a real revival story. But I mean, in all reality, I did go to a, like a tent revival once with my best friend, not the mean one, uh, my high school best friend, Amy. And I think it was like her grandma wanted to go. It was in Canby. It was in a tent. I don't remember anything about it. Was it was it a big tent revival? It was a big tent revival. No, it wasn't like that Does big. anyone was... remember that band? Yeah. That was a oh, there was yeah. a Christian band called Big yeah. Tent Revival. Sorry. I do remember Sorry. that. Yep. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job. <sighs> Just bring Always it back to CCM. Music archive. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. for someone who minored in CCM, I'm really slow on the uptake with a lot of <laughs> yeah, this Yeah, you stuff. really <laughs> dropped the ball on that one. Sorry. Yeah. I lobbed yeah. you a softball there. I'm going <laughs> to have to like go and turn in my degree. <laughs> <laughs> At least turn in your Christian card. Like, yeah. Well, I think you did that a long time that's, ago. That's so, been done. Yeah, yeah I'm not, fell out I'm in not the allowed. river. <laughs> it fell out in the river. It sure did. Anyway, sure did. yeah. So my revivals were more camp related and more related to like, you know, the the excitement and the joy of being with people and singing and having emotional experiences. Um, yeah. Again, like because that wasn't something that happened in other spaces I was in because mm-hmm. it was always very guarded and very much about behavior, appearance, like correct beliefs, whatever. So yeah, revival wasn't like a 
thing for me exactly. But I again, I also had like heroes. I loved Amy Simple McPherson, who mm-hmm. led a bunch of revivals and started the Foursquare Church. Like as a kid, I was like, girls can do that. And I was stoked because I'm like, that's right. That's what I'm going to do, bitches. Lead these tent revivals. Hello. That would be so fun. I'd still do it today, except for I wouldn't because it would be unethical. <laughs> what My do you sister- think was the like purpose of those revivals? Like, Did you have an idea as a kid of why you were going or what it was for? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think, yes, on that personal level. But like I said earlier, I think for us religion was always really political. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like revival wasn't called for for us. It was like, heal the land, make these people less sinful, like Mm. eradicate Sodom and Gomorrah from our culture or whatever. You know, it wasn't like said that way, but it was really about make this a safe place for Christians to not ever be challenged (laughs) in Mm. America. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's sort of what the revivals were about in my kind of experience as a kid. Mm. Oof. Yeah, I I have experienced a fair amount of revival in my day. Um, probably not surprising to anyone who's been listening that I was skeptical about them. <gasps> oh, shocker. A little doubting Lindsay. Because uh, my mom went through a big charismatic phase like when I was in junior high. And this is when the infamous Doubting Thomas prophecy happened. We, Our church that we went to that my dad was a pastor of was not charismatic. But my mom would take us to go visit the charismatic church in our small town where they did the fucking streamers and you know the dance there's this was the uh, phase they're called of, they're called worship flags Lindsay. oh my god gosh i i well we I forgot we had a vineyard i've tried to block so much of this <laughs> vineyard person among um, us. they love banners yes. well so yeah so my mom was big into vineyard and at this time the kansas city vineyard was the place to be there was revival happening there this is when the laughing was happening, mm. getting slain in the spirit. And for those of you who don't know, like in charismatic circles, like there was, I don't know if it's still happening. At this time, people would get prayed over and they would just fall down laughing or they just laugh for hours. They just, because they're filled with the joy of the Lord or getting slain in the spirit, they'd put their hand on you and they'd fall over. They Like there had to be people there to catch you because you literally would just. Basically like, faint. It was almost like a, f- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'd love to knows, laugh for hours. That sounds who knows amazing. how right. I know. I was just like, oh, these. This is before anyone like they hadn't discovered marijuana. Apparently, um, <laughs> I know. I was like, you're basically just describing what it's like when I get high. I don't. Yeah, but I also did experience all of that at an altar. So I <laughs> yeah. I laughed. I cried uncontrollably. I have passed out. I have come to with like a bunch of people around me and hands on me. It's it's not like a scary experience. Like personally for me, it wasn't scary. It was almost this for once in my life ability to fully let go of control Mm. and just allow myself to feel feelings, whether that was Mm -hmm. tears coming out or laughter or just silence. It, It... that for me was like the first time that I learned how to be internal and meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, I just associated that with that the only way that was happening was because it, of the spirit. Because that's what they said, right? Is it the yeah. only way this is happening is that you're finally allowing the spirit to come, Holy Spirit to come into you, God, um, the big he one. And that without that, this feel none of that's possible. So yeah. Yeah, 
Oof. I, I'm, I mean, so ex- externally for you, though, witnessing those things, was it scary? Like, what was your, why did you made, resist it? It made me deeply uncomfortable. Um, I, I am just like a, my feet are on the ground. Like, I am not, I am just a highly logical. And I was just sort of like, it just gave me the heebie jeebies. And frankly, my dad wasn't super into it. And so mm. it, that gave me a little bit of an out that, like, of my parents, that they weren't in alignment on this. And I always wanted to be like my dad. I always felt like my personality was more in line with his. Um, all of this stuff right now has been bringing up a lot of memories that I had forgotten. And I can't remember if I told you guys this, but um, with the Super Bowl just happening, I was remembering that my mom took her – we were living in Cody, Wyoming, and she took uh, of a minivan of her Bible study ladies and drove to, An- to the Anaheim Vineyard for a weekend conference and took – Little like eighth grader Lindsay. So it's me and a van full of like middle-aged women driving to California to go to the Middle-aged mom friends, like are they in their early 40s and really cool? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they're really cool. They're (laughs) Christian women who live in – white Christian women living in Wyoming who are driving to. Okay, so not us in a van. It's like not not going with us. Okay, got just checking. They were very nice. I remember that they were nice. And – we went and we stayed with like family friends in Southern California. And I remember going to the conference. I was super pumped on parts of it. Like Jackie Pullinger spoke, which I don't know if you guys remember her, read her biography, but I loved her. I remember my favorite worship leader was there and I got to go to the little mini session because of course in eighth grade, you have a favorite worship leader. Oh, um, so I actually charming. Googled her the other day because I was trying, I was like, I remembered her name was like Cindy. I was like, I remember Cindy. She like wrote these songs. All her songs felt really like haunting and like lovely. Mm-hmm. Um What's she, she exa- doing now? Oh, she's still like very Christian. Ugh. I look it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I love that I say that it. as a person who still identifies as Christian. I know. But I I'm love like, this but she's you. like that kind of Christian. What a journey. If that makes sense. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I know. I see the- you, but you are not mine, Cindy. Yes. Cindy is not my people any- anymore. <laughs> um, but I remember. I was always just an observer of these things. I loved the music. The music always like spoke to me in a way. And that's why I was like pumped to go to her little like quiet worship session. It was like in a side. It wasn't in the big like auditorium. It was a side room. Mm. And I remember that being lovely. Yeah. And I honestly feel like I blocked out the part. Like if my mom got slain in the spirit, the other lady said, I don't remember. Um, I do remember we were like trying to leave to like go get lunch one day. And I had no interest in going down. I was never slain in the spirit. I never did the laughing. I did not go. I didn't respond to a single altar call that weekend. I just, that's not my style. But I remember someone coming over and asking if they could pray for me as I think oh, I was trying to leave. That happened a lot too. Yes. Right? Yes. Like God put I on their heart. I forgot about that. <gasps> and she just like prayed over me, I believe, in tongues for a long time oh my while God. my mom in is just tongues? standing there. And it's one of those things where wow. then they just like give up eventually when I don't, when nothing happens. React. You we know, and I was like thankful. Yeah. I was like, thank you. You're like, cool. But like, it's this weird thing of like, well, I'm not going to fake it. And I'm not feeling anything. So yeah, I have this very vivid memory. And the, again, the person... Can Meant I ask, really did, she, well, did she like talk, did she like ask you, she, did she just say, can I pray for you? Or I do you remember, remember any kind of a I, all conversation? I remember, a little bit. Uh, like Again, I don't remember it as like a horrible experience. Like they yeah. were nice and they did ask my permission to pray over me. But it just at the end, it felt like, ooh, you were like expecting something out of this mm-hmm. and I did not give you like give I just it. felt like oh I kind of disappoint I was always a little bit of a disappointment frankly <laughs> hence the hence the like doubting Pro- Thomas prophecy so because I just never fully 
bought in, I think. Mm. Like, I was... Again, my skepticism, I'm telling y'all, go through life with a healthy amount of skepticism. It will save you at least from some religious trauma, okay? This is the hill that I will die on. Uh, mm-hmm. So fast forward, take that little like personality nugget to the Bible Institute of Los Angeles in the mm. year 2000. Um, Biola, I, we're coming. We're coming Biola, for we you. are coming for you. <laughs> Here um, it goes. So Biola, the college I chose because it wasn't as li- – my other top choice was Point Loma in San Diego, but I mm. toured it and I decided that it was too liberal. I Ooh. decided that they d- were not, like, God-fearing enough. So they I chose Biola. Bi- yeah, I chose Biola. Did they let has- boys and girls in the same rooms without it being scheduled and doors open? Uh, yeah, I probably, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. That's yeah, a no. so I still lived on campus in the year 2000. I think I was – Graduated high school in 99, so I was, like, young in my college years. And I will say, so chapel attendance was re- required at Biola. I think it was, like, three times a week you had to go. And we had, what? like, a – Three yeah. times a week chapel? Yeah, it was a lot. That's, like, uh, a class. Did you get credit for that? It was, like, a 12-unit no. class. No. No, but you get – so if you miss chapel, though, you have you had to go back and listen to chapel tapes, and you had to submit – yeah, so and then you had to submit like a report. You had to like answer questions about the chapel if you missed oh. it. Did my get graded? No, but it was no. just it's about you attendance. It's attendance. So like if you didn't hit X amount of chapels, you just couldn't graduate. So yeah. a lot of people Ugh. who wouldn't go would then at the end have to like listen to 40 chapel tapes. Wow. And Did you guys do it- parties like listening to like chapel things and writing? Oh, we should have. I don't remember. Yeah. I know a friend of mine like started some sort of chapel tape scam or like there was something. Yeah, like I'll did. listen to these three. You listen to those yeah, three. Yeah, there then was we'll something. Both. Yeah. But mostly what I did was uh, the old slide and glide is what we called it at Biola. So we had a card that we would slide <gasps> when you walked into the chapel. And so it was big. You know, there's a lot of people. Yeah. It was like in a gymnasium. And so what I would do is I would go sit for about five minutes and then I would exit through a different door I would uh, cough or take a phone call or had to go to the bathroom had to pee. Just, and you I didn't have come faculty back. roaming the halls making sure you were staying in chapel because we oh. did at my school oh really yeah yeah I mean there was kind of people at the doors but no one the seemed to care that much glide. I don't yeah I so like I was a, I was a sliding <laughs> glider for sure um and I tried you know I would go sometimes I'm th- I do I'm a rule follower and so like I would say once a week I truly attended chapel the other times, you know, maybe. If you so. missed 10 chapels, I think it was 10 in a semester or maybe the year, you would you would basically be kicked out of school. But I did end up getting an excuse for one of the chapel days when I had a job and I had to work on that day. So they were like, oh. OK, yeah, go earn that's money. Funny. That's almost as holy as being here. <laughs> Um, okay, so how did you? Yeah, I want to know Biola how revival. this, this so, Lindsay, so, how did the Lindsay we know show up at a revival at Biola? How did this right? even happen? Right. Well, so first of all, I will say I had completely forgotten about this revival. I forgot it happened um, until this Asbury revival thing. And I was like core memory what? unlocked. I was like, holy mm. shit. We had one at my college and I actually went on Facebook, which I'm not on a lot anymore, and posted. I was like, hey, former Biolans, do you guys remember? Because I couldn't remember what year it was. And I was like, does anyone Mm. else remember this? Like, how many days did it go on? What? So I uh, lots of people chimed in. Was it internet? It was like kind of pre- Internet-ish, right? right? None of us were on Facebook. Nothing Um, had gone by MySpace. We was had it my cell world? phones, but this is like when we were all playing like Snake on our Nokia's. Yeah, you know, yeah. sorry to age myself here. When I mean, it was this T nine. 
texting. Right. So this is <laughs> the year 2000. And spoiler, just, that's the year I was getting married. So yeah. our lives were a little different. I want to know yeah. what you were up to, though. Well, I was living on campus at Biola. So I think because I was living on campus, I just happened to be at chapel this day. Oh, was and the one out of three you went to? One out of three. Magic. What are the chances? The Holy Spirit was coming for me. And oh. a speaker, apparently. So this is the part I had to go look up and... Thankfully, I did find an article on the Biola revival. It's it's not it's not anything was it like that from the Biola newspaper, or was this? An it's from Charisma Magazine, whatever that. <gasps> okay, may be. same. But, That's basically um, yeah. Yeah, so it talks about a spiritual awakening and campus revival continues to rock the Bible Institute of Los Angeles University, a leading Christian university started ninety two years ago. Blah blah blah. So apparently. There was a revival of Biola in the 70s. Uh, so it said a similar awakening occurred during the 1977-78 school year. And that former students from that era had been praying for years for God to do it again. Didn't know this. Oh. Until now. Until the Charisma magazine. And so apparently that year, 77-78, um, a student was killed in an accident. And, um, and they made the announcement in chapel... And it caused a student chaplain to kneel down at the altar. And he was soon joined by the whole student body confessing sins. So oh, why a kid died leads to everyone going down the altar. Right. sin confession. Right. So this oh, is what happened. This, can I guess? Was this a life so short you could die any day this student Probably. died? Right. And you don't right? want to go to hell. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to go to hell. So that's... Yeah. That's what I think. Um, it's, it sounds illogical as a conclusion when I don't think about the path that they mm -hmm. can walk very easily into yeah. fear of your own death and eternal damnation. And we don't know if this guy was really saved or not. So right, get your so heart right. Here, this is what last night I came across this quote and it took every fiber of my being not to text it to you immediately but I was like I know I have to like read it to you on the podcast because it blew my mind um so this is a quote from a student that attended this the 78 revival I've never witnessed so much pain and tears ever before many students express shame guilt and fear for their struggle with sin I ask even plead that you would pray for Biola pray for a revival that would purge our community of sin and would awaken us to God's heart for the lost the poor and the unreached hang on it, it goes on so that's the quote from the student this is the author's response to that Students could be seen in agony, weeping for sins that would not normally trouble even the most earnest Christian. It was as if the standard had been raised, and what previously would not have bothered one's conscience suddenly became unbearable. So strong was the convicting power of God. Ugh. Holy fuck, right? Literally, <laughs> space. I wish you guys life. I. It's like them like saying things every. Every single thing that you have chosen or done, you need it's to bad. agonize over. And yeah. it was horrible and it was sinful. And we're going to figure out how to shame you for every single decision you've ever made. Yeah. It's sin really, that would not normally trouble the most earnest yes. of Christians suddenly becomes all consuming and you're weeping over What does that mean? That's like I, I jaywalked. I littered. I, I mean, like the, the depth of shame that is coming at. And, and for young people, for people who are just like in the crux of like figuring their shit out in life, like and they barely, like they're barely aren't having sex, but like and they don't be. have their yeah, frontal like lobe. Doing, like at this point in my life, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not having sex. I might say a curse word. 
occasionally you're, you're honest, i've always had you're, a, i've always a had a potty friend. mouth like you right. have you i'm have listening morality. to primarily i'm listening to primarily christian music i'm going to a christian college i'm attending <sighs> church regularly i but do, do slide and glide at chapel i do slide and glide at chapel so that's simple. relationship with jesus christ because no. you can do all of those works but if your heart isn't connected to baby jesus christ then you're not really a Christian. I'm just, just gliding through life. You're just complacent. trying to get your just, salvation through works and not right. by faith. So Wait, you can't win. Easy. You can't, <laughs> you can't fucking win. You literally win. can't. Mm. <sighs> so this 7778 revival at Biola sets the stage for the revival of 2000. So, so is it, am I hearing this right? That the 7879 participants are, have been praying Yes, for this for to happen twenty again. plus year, they're yes. they're like continuing this prayer of wow. Because apparently it was such an amazing magical thing, and so then apparently at this day that I go to chapel, the speaker references revivals that have happened at other places, other churches, other schools, and I remember this clearly. I couldn't remember what he said until. Uh, I looked up the article and again, I went on Facebook to kind of ask because I was like, this is what I remember and was kind of corroborating it with other people. And it was interesting because a lot of my friends at Biola were like a year or two older. And so they like missed it. They were living off camp, you know what I mean? Or they had graduated. Like it was it was interesting of my friends who remembered and who didn't. But the chapel speaker's talking about revival and a guy stands up in the middle of chapel and just yells like loudly and like like full of emotion and pain. Like, why can't it happen here? Why can't God do that here? And he's sobbing and he just doesn't. And he's just like, and he starts confessing his sins. <gasps> and he starts like, like calling for people to join him. And that like God needs to meet us in revival. And it kind of threw everyone off. And I think the speaker, as I remember, was kind of like, tr was trying to give space mm. to him. And, and at some point, it just became an altar call. He came down and people, I think people came down to pray for him, but then more and more people. And then it just became days mm. of public confession. Wow. That's we, we like, like take a microphone and. and so everyone would, the people just formed a line in the gym <gasps> and they would take their turn walking up to the podium and confessing their sin. And wow. classes were canceled. Or made optional. It's happened for a day. As I recall, it was like a, a week. And I was, I was, I was there for that day. And I remember feeling in that moment, I didn't confess anything. It's shocking, I know. <laughs> uh, but I remember feeling at, at the beginning, sort of like it was powerful to watch this guy, you know, f so obviously like struggling with some stuff. So I, I kind of, that week it would pop in to kind of see what was going on and then I'd leave. And I remember, cause I just was curious, like how is this going? And you know, there would be some background music, but mostly it was just a lot of really awkward public confession and people airing wow. things that they should not be and saying awkward, like a lot of sexual sin, a lot. Yeah. And it, I, it was like, is this like a humble brag? Are people just, <laughs> you know, like talking about how many women that they've yeah. boned before they got redeemed and came to Biola, obviously. I remember a guy bringing a pair of woman, women's underwear up to the podium. With him? With him and like holding it up as an example of like he would keep a pair of women's <gasps> underwear after he like slept with them or something. And he had a drawer full of these or something. And he had to confess. And it was just like... <sighs> 
<sighs> it was so gross. Ooh. And so it, it just made me, again, deeply uncomfortable. That's and I was just like, lot. why is this a thing you're sharing to hundreds of people in an auditorium? Like, that doesn't feel... Question. Yeah, I see that hand, Meg. I see that hand. Um, were there support staff like there? Were, were like what was mm, the no? Like were there were there <laughs> people like people who you could go to for asking questions or get? Pastoral or was this more care. of a if this person is crying, then everyone kind of will go to that? That's my experience. It's just like none of us are equipped for this, right? But there are people that are hurting or people that need support emotional support and so i'm just gonna go and be a physical you know energy around them um laying out of hands obviously happened a lot but like there weren't people equipped to have these conversations so it feels like the declaration was the end of it it's like you declare these things and then you move on and the next person declares their sin and then you move on. It's not as though they they then moved into a counseling or therapy conversation. Oh right? gosh, no. I mean, I think that there were people there. I think just it was again other students. I'm sure teachers were there to like pray over people. Again, I did not really like being prayed over. It made me uncomfortable, so that was not a thing I was engaging in. I remember going to class after because I was also the person that was like, you know, classes were optional, but I was like, nah, I'd rather be in class than be at this revival at a, at a certain point. And I remember, you know, the professors were trying to tread lightly. And again, everyone was like trying to give space, but it was this very weird thing that no one kind of knew what to do with. And and I think well, the and there's really no, I think with revivals, there in inherently in them, there is no plan. No. They're kind of just like, we're going to let God, but there is a plan. Unless you go to a planned one you know? like you did, Meg. Yeah. Like that's the thing. I'm like, I, there's at, very at many part? Is it right. planned versus not planned? Is it are we being thoughtful of these people? Are we just having like a I mean, because that's a that can be a trauma and re-trauma experience to continually hear people's quote sins or things that they're ashamed of or things they're being shamed for. Right. And then well, in yourself, and then is there you're then judgment? gonna self right? Yeah, you're right. Gonna like I remember them hearing these things self-judge. about people and being like, well, I view you differently you i'm know, gonna because never because i know that. all this weird dirt about you and i know that you keep women's underwear and that i don't lot. like it so yeah it's a lot and maybe it's should not be shared on a microphone uh, from a podium in front of a bunch of people yeah it that revival like why i specifically wanted to talk about it is because it reminds me a ton and why i haven't watched any of the fucking tiktok videos because yeah. i have the ick about that revival and i can't tell you why? Other than I think that public confession is creepy, but also because exploitation back, as well. Yeah, yeah. And I look back, and what changed? Yeah. At mm-hmm. Biola, did we? Because the point of revival is I understand it is to invoke big changes, and all that happened is that people felt worse about themselves. Maybe they felt better in that moment. I do know, obviously, like. There is something compelling about these revivals. This is, there's a reason why these are happening, and people feel these bonds with one another and it's deeply emotional and I would argue that it's deeply manipulative whether people not you know I don't think the Biola thing no one was trying to manipulate one another Mm -hmm. you know like it truly did just come about at random it wasn't planned and there is something you know I'm tempted to say there's something beautiful about that but if the result was like you know you will know a tree by its fruit and like nothing 
changed at Biola. Mm, we didn't yeah. put programs in to help people. We didn't serve the poor. We didn't, you know, like we felt better about ourselves for a hot minute because God came to our school and we were special. What could be mm. more American than having a revival that is literally for you to consume feeling better and then nothing else? Like, yeah. literally, it's it's just, that's for me, thank you. And then it doesn't translate into any collective movement in a different direction. Can I just take us down like a really specific evangelical of the 2000s um, rabbit trail? Because yes, when please. you describe oh, you know it. The moment when in chapel, somebody was talking about revivals somewhere else and a, a guy stood up and said, screamed, mm -hmm. yelled, mm -hmm. why can't God do that here? That Did you ever it. go to like a Dave Bazan show between, I don't know, like 2005 and 2015? Because I'm going to tell you something. A million of them. A lot of them. <laughs> yes. Did you run into that exact dude times a million? Where like there was that period of time where like Dave would just answer people's questions. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. all the sad boys were like, why does it God? Why does it God really exist? And he'd be like, I don't know, man. Like just whatever. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys. I think he just needed yeah. to be at a Bazan show. The end. And for those of you who aren't clear on who this is, it's Pedro the Lion. So, y'all, come on. Pedro the Lion, the patron saint of deconstruction. Correct. And of the sad boys who didn't know how to do it by themselves and spurred revivals at Biola. And a lot of me being like, oh, my God, get a therapist. And they never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if I could go back, it would it would be a really great thing for all those people to just go to therapy and mm -hmm. instead of confessing their sins publicly. Yeah. So maybe that wasn't the tea y'all were looking for. I don't have any dirt on like the speaker. I th what I mean by tea is like I just trying to bring you there what it was like. Mm -hmm. Um, and frankly, it. Like I said, I had just forgotten about it. And I think that that says a lot. Like, I didn't want to remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, my school also had a revival and it was weird. And that's why I feel weird about. And I'm I'm big on like, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. And I'm not there in Kentucky. And there is part of me. It's like, yeah, there are probably people taking away good things from this. Some people I'll, I'll give them. But at the end of the day, w what is it? doing like yeah. who is it who is it changing which i guess we can move into so this episode isn't really about the revival that's happening or was happening i think they just shut it down Ooh. um because the bed, crowds, well the crowds were getting so large and uh like like they were saying like fifty thousand people came to town it's like a town of six thousand people what? and so they decided after 13 days of like continual student-led revival, like 24-hour <coughs> praise and worship. Um, they decided they're trying to like move it off campus somewhere else, I believe. And for on campus, like they're not stopping the worship, but they're limiting it to 25 and under people mm. because someone said something like that this revival is about Gen Z, about Jesus reaching Gen Z. And so they oh. want to continue that. So just so you know, Jesus oh. wants Gen Z. He's already right. got the boomers. Like he's <laughs> enough oh, millennials. Yeah. Like we're just lost. We're all deconstructed. No. So the hope yeah. is in. 
Um, it's funny though, because I was talking to my husband last night about this and I was telling him how security concerns, I was like, that does make sense if you have 50,000 people like in a church gathering, I could see that being a, you know, scenario, a mass shooting scenario. And then I was like, oh wait, but like, it's usually the white Christians that are like shooting the other people not getting shot. Yeah. Like dark. It hasn't really been in the news that there's a white congregation of people that are being intimidated by someone else. It's it yeah. sounds like a thing that they think happens all the time, but it hasn't. In reality, it hasn't happened. Um, but it is interesting that that would be a concern that people would have that that they actually are like, wait a minute, there's a lot of people gathering here doing a thing that they like doing. Is this an opportunity for a mass shooter? And my hope is that that kind of idea would extend to other people who congregate and other people who want to just go to the grocery store or go to their synagogue or go to their place of worship and not be intimidated. So it it is interesting that that has become a part of the conversation around this revival, um, safety from gun violence, which I think is meaningful and maybe people should pay attention to it. I mean, yeah, the fact hmm. that it's not even necessarily a false persecution narrative. It's like, well, no, actually, you're just kind of being smart in this instance. But I, I think the one thing that I would love to ponder is why are evangelicals so obsessed with mm. revival? What What is it? And, and maybe we've covered this already. You know, what are our thoughts? And, and also, what are they trying to get out of it? And then I'm curious because now other revivals are popping up around mm -hmm. Kentucky, right? So other colleges are having these. And I guess the thought is like, so can you just like make it happen through sheer willpower? Be like, well, it's happening in Kentucky, so we're going to go over here and yes, you yes. Know. The answer is yes. yes. You can plan it. You can order a tent. You can get people to bring all the things you need to support this, you know, spiritual awakening. I mean, I just wish they would just call it what it is, which is like we're losing members. We got to get more. Let's go after the young people. That's always the playbook. I, I my one of my good friends who I went to college with um, has some comments about the Asbury revival, and um, she's a professor, just a brilliant person who I've always admired and loved a lot. So I wanted to share her comments about the Asbury revival because I think it also speaks to this bigger question of who is this for. And what, what purpose does it serve? Does it actually allow real spiritual awakening? Or is it a way for Christians who are already indoctrinated in that way to have that reinforced and to have that confession of sins or whatever the thing is that's sort of driving people to be there? That's a catharsis, but isn't necessarily actually transformative. Um, she said, triggered by the Asbury revival conversation for so many reasons. I hope for everyone's sake that if there is any kind of awakening, that it is an awakening to the truths of this world, especially the truth of our complicity in harm, like racism, patriarchy, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, Christian exceptionalism, quote, we are the good and right ones, end quote, saviorism, martyrdom, emotional repression, binaries, paradigms of control using manipulation, coercion, intimidation, and punishment, and I could go on hoping we can all wake up and see through the illusions of the world and of us. That's a good revival. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Thanks, do we, Amy. 
Do we see that coming out of Kentucky? I, I, th- I think not. Probably not. Probably Doesn't not. Doesn't seem like it. And I know that they're chasing a feeling. And it's something that mm-hmm. we all want. And like we were saying, especially coming out of a pandemic, like yeah, the need for human connection and for connecting on a spiritual level with people and like feeling like you're special and you're rising up to do something great. Like it's American exceptionalism meets religion you know it's it's all the things and it's interesting my husband last night he said something i like wrote it down because we were talking about revival and like why people want it and he said that it's like trying to hold a sunbeam like you can't actually hold it and it was never yours to begin with Mm. and that like just struck me of like we're trying to grasp these things that are ungraspable Mm. and And in that, we're kind of creating, I don't know if it's mass hysteria, but, you know, it's like we're creating this emotional experience where you're not actually grasping anything. Nothing is changing. It isn't it isn't yours. And I I want people to have spiritual experiences. I want people to experience change and Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with prayer and worship. And I'm glad, you know, that these students felt like that they were able to start this thing. But it so quickly becomes gross like it just I don't know that there's a way to do it without it being totally entrenched in guilt and shame and hell and all of these things that I find deeply problematic so Mm. yep I don't know that we need to answer that question can there be a good revival like can it be positive can can change come like I I want to believe that and I don't want I don't want to be a skeptic about everything forever okay I want to be a glasses (laughs) half full gal occasionally (laughs) I think it, I will say this. I think that kind of thing happens in movements all the time where mm-hmm. people get, you know, awakened to something and they find each other and they do create massive change over time, like revolutionary change. But when we're talking about this being contained within an institution that is by nature incurious, by nature mm-hmm. coercive, by nature mm-hmm. spiritually abusive, this, of course, it can't transcend that when there are going to be people in charge who are very interested in maintaining the status quo. That is like the job mm. of the administration, of the trustees, of whoever else is in charge at Asbury or beyond. Like this is not not possible because it's not open. But when we have those experiences in as individuals with awe and wonder, or when we learn, oh my God, I have friends who are gay. Maybe I shouldn't be such a jerk to gay people and like whatever. You know, those are things that can change, just shift a little bit. But this level of like major world change, once again, what Amy said is the opposite of what those revivals are usually about, which is what I mentioned earlier, like making it a safer world for Christians to never be offended by mm-hmm. anyone else's thinking or choices or what they wear or whatever. Like, top so modest, he'll be like, what's a boob? <laughs> That's a quote from a funny meme I saw. I love it. Lindsay, you said it. You know, you don't want to yuck someone else's yum. I don't want to have any negativity towards a positive experience that someone has. If I could say anything to all of these students or people participating in this, I think it would just be to take time to walk away from the mass emotion that is happening around you and take some solitary time to really look inward and ask yourself, 
What are the things that I am going to be changed after this experience? We each have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but to the people that we interact with all the time to reflect on our own past. And rather than expressing our sins, you know, at a pulpit and a microphone, to really just decide for me, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And how do I want to treat others? And I'm going to fuck it up. But if I can keep going inward and keep asking myself, who do I want to evolve to be? What kind of a person, you know, do I want to show up to be in this world? And who? how do I want to affect my community in a way that is not selfish and not self-serving? And that's my hope is that anyone who is experiencing a personal revival, a personal awakening, and whether that is your personal intuition or your connection to God or a spiritual higher power, find that one-on-one place to connect to spirit and yeah, I guess block block out everything that other people are telling you you should be or shouldn't be. Um you're the person that you go home with at the end of the day. So it does matter. It does matter that I want to become a better person. And I I hope that those students are finding ways of taking that experience and then making it practical, making it something that that they can physically change or do in their own world. And I and I hope and I pray that that at least some of these exp- students experiences are like centered in love and in grace and not in this guilt and this shame and whether it be like the love of of god whether it's the love of your community or self-love i think that's the thing about the revivals that i have experienced is a lot of self-hatred yeah and it's and i don't understand that messaging of like you're a piece of shit but god can save you it's like but also but god loved you so much that that he gave his only begotten boy yeah, <laughs> it's only boy. Like it's very, it's super confusing, and I think that like, like radical love and acceptance is where change mm-hmm. starts, and is where revival can happen. Whether that be in yourself and in your community, and in, uh, as as my hero, RuPaul likes to say, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you gonna love everybody else? So. Good question. Our, that's the gospel. Uh, the gospel reading for today is from uh, RuPaul uh, to verse 15. <laughs> Listen, I would replace all of the Pauline epistles with RuPauline epistles. Okay. <gasps> yes. I would like that's to That's the new Apostle that. Paul, the Apostle RuPaul. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only yeah. Apostle Paul I will recognize is Apostle RuPaul. That yeah. sounds, man, that just made my heart swoon. That's beautiful. I I have one last thing to say, too, as I agree with both of you. Like, I'm being really, really rude about this because (laughs) I have seen it as extremely manipulative and very self-centered in a way Mm. that isn't necessarily helpful to you or anyone else. So when I think about this and I look at what could be the fruit of a revival of this awakening of some more awareness of yourself and of whatever it is about yourself that you would like to adjust, instead of just letting it be a one-time emotional experience that you have, 
really interrogate that experience and ask yourself, what more do I need to learn? What questions arise for me about how I have been living and the assumption I'm making about who to vote for or what I wanna be when I grow up or, or whatever it might be. Am I being kind to people who are trans? Am I being kind to people who are gay? Am I being kind to people who are unhoused? Am I being kind to the least of these? Judgmental, but still Jesus said it. So you should <laughs> care about it. If, if you're that's a, where you're gonna start, at least start yeah. somewhere. If you're at a fucking revival, go ahead and listen to what Jesus is saying and go home and read all of the things Jesus said in the whole Bible and write down any parts that you're like, what? Because <laughs> there will be some if you're really doing it. And you will notice that he doesn't actually say revival ever. So, Oh, sorry. no, he never does. He didn't yeah. say it. No. He's just like, y'all need some fish and bread? Let's do that. That seems cool. Meet Jesus didn't here ask for revival. And, and did Jesus make revival happen? You know what Jesus did? He came to this earth and said, I am the son of man and I've came to fulfill the law. And everyone's like, what? We should worship this guy. And sometimes <laughs> when I read the Bible and I see Jesus say, I'm the son of man, I see him say, and so can you. And I think we all are, I am. We're all the siblings and nibblings of God in whatever form that takes. But I think, honestly, again, like just back to the revival stuff, a lot of this is the follow-up work that you get to do with yourself. And please don't just put a lid back on it and move on. That's why people don't grow. Um, let it be open for a little while and take some time with it. And maybe go to therapy. And definitely go to therapy. And definitely go to therapy. We definitely. highly highly recommend therapy. Maybe don't do your therapy publicly on a microphone in front of a bunch of 20-year-olds. Great idea. Just saying. That's highly a, recommend that's a thought I also finding a therapist who's not a Christian. Scary, I know. Although my therapist who's not a Christian is sometimes I think just baffled by the things that I tell her. So there is yeah. that. <laughs> that actually might She's be a like, good experience for most people to be like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And then you're like, oh, that really was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait New till I tell her about the revival. I can't wait. I can't. I'm going to email her right now and be like, guess what I get to unpack. <laughs> All right. We can wrap this thing up. Do you want to close us out with an altar call to support our Patreon? Mm-hmm. Hey, if all you ghosties out there like what you're hearing, come on down to the altar. We're on patreon.com slash holyghosting. You can get access to all kinds of fun things for starting at only $5 a month. And if you really want to help us out, go to 10. And if you really want to actually support it, you know, I mean, live large, do whatever you want. Just give whatever the spirit is leading you to give. Yes. Remember to tell all your friends who are disentangling from their own trauma at their culty childhood lives to come join us. We'd love to have you here. We're here for it. And we're here for this. And we appreciate all the support. And this has been Holy Ghosting. We'll see you next time, ghosties. Holy Ghosting is supported by our patrons. And there's even more ways to support the show. Rate, review, and share every episode. Holy Ghosting is a same-team media production. Our producer is A.P. Weber. Join the conversation on socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Holy Ghosting Pod. I'll fix it. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. I love everything.